if you're sinking a lot of time into an app, it's a call. Huh, that's interesting. Why am I being drawn? What is missing here that is there? Welcome to Strolling. I'm Rosano, here with Vivek, who's an engineer by profession, but sings South Indian traditional music and also performs live improv comedy. What struck me from our exchange was the feeling of living with contradictions, to be spiritual while dealing with technological addiction, or to recognize undesirable parts of yourself while embracing them as yours. I really resonated with how unapologetically he presents himself and enjoyed his deeply ingrained love for music and improvisation as we conversed about technology, to politics, to culture, to self-awareness. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Vivek, welcome to the podcast, and thanks for being here. Rosano, thank you so much for having me. Such a pleasure to be here. What do most people know you for? People know me for um, making jokes at their events, uh, but I'm an engineer. I, I work in hardware engineering and technical marketing for a uh, company that makes components that go into routers and stuff. So we build the backbone of the internet. And then outside of that, I sing Carnatic music, Bollywood music. Some people know me from Twitter, where I write threads about these things, politics, various topics that interest me. People also know me from improv comedy, which is what I do. And then, of course, Rumi class. Rumi class. Uh, yeah. Studying poetry of the great Persian poets, Rumi and Hafez. Yeah. So you've been spiritual since you were very young and you obviously inhabit the secular world or the various secular contexts of this modern world. How do you reconcile the spiritual side of yourself in a world that seems to be becoming more and more secular? Would you agree with, with that way of looking at it, that it's becoming more and more that way? And whether it is or not, how do you reconcile the spiritual approach that you might have with being in the comedy scene, for example, or an engineer, or like these highly secular contexts? Hmm. So to your first question, is the world becoming more and more secular? Yes and no, in a traditional religious sense, probably. But there's a thirst for meaning all around. I would say, yes, the world is becoming more secular in the fact that organized religion is probably not as integrated as it once was in the West, at least. But that said, the functions of the religious traditions are still being required. Somebody has to come fill that role. Mm. And in one of the inner intellectualons, I think somebody said, there's a God-shaped hole uh, <laughs> to fill the God-shaped holes in our souls. So I think it's going to be filled one way or the other. So anyway, getting to the second part of your question, I think 10 years ago, I would have wanted to straddle disparate worlds with like confusion, despair, disillusionment. And now the way I look at spirituality is not fundamentally different from the way I look at anything else. In fact, even talking about spirituality as something distinct from materialism or consumerism, it's not the way I look at it anymore. I mean, find me something that's not spiritual in the world. Would you like to tell a joke? Okay. Um, <laughs> how do you lift a cow? You just raise the stakes, bro. Okay, that's not funny. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I worked. I worked. I worked very hard on that. 
if you had said, if you had said raise the stake, I would have laughed. But if you ah, said you said raise the stakes, that's the joke. You know, you talk about raising the stakes. I know the phrase. It's just it's spelled differently. My visual mind is like S T A K. Yeah, it works better as a written. Okay, let me give you a masterclass on jokes, Vivek. Okay, so when you say stake, it immediately does not make sense in terms of raise the stakes so it must be the other one so you're never because ah. stakes could it be a legitimate phrase in that sense that's why it doesn't work that that's why it works <laughs> well we're, we're both laughing now so the joke is clearly working <laughs> whatever <it's good. laughs> white people colonized every part of the third world and stole all their spices and what's the most important spice they have pumpkin spice <laughs> why 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 are you doing this? At least give some respect to the people you colonized, man. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> oh, man. Could you tell us that story about creative ah. explosion in your high school music? Carnatic music. It's a form of South Indian music where it's half composed, half improvised. Unlike Hindustani music, which is North Indian classic music, which is almost all improvised and Western classical music, which is all composed. Carnatic music is like, so the first few years, you're just learning songs. You're repeating the songs that you've learned and you're learning how to reproduce them well. You're learning how to use your voice and you're learning this, the craft of reproducing the aesthetics of Carnatic music. After that, you're number five or six, or if you're really good for, you're starting to learn how to improvise. Sing your own tune. You take one line and each person gets a turn to improvise on that line for one line. Let's say your line is That's the line. So how you improvise it is so these are different improvisations that you can do on this one line when you're first improvising you would just go very slowly and you're kind of thrust into the spotlight not a violent like go Go get it. Like, what happens, happens. It's, it's gentle. They're not throwing into a deep end of the pool. There's it's other people who have not done it before either. You're there and everybody's trying to learn it one at a time. Teacher's in the middle. Each person takes a turn with this line. And so and somebody starts and they're starting to sing and everybody's eyes are on them. They're all asking, we've not done this. What is happening? What is, what's going to come out of this guy's mouth or this girl's mouth? What's she going to do? The anticipation is sky high. The focus of attention is... Very clear. Everybody's waiting to see what, what's going to happen. The teacher's waiting to see what's going to happen. The other students are waiting to see what's going to happen. And then it happens. And then goes to the next person. What's going to come out of their mouth? It's so mysterious. Nobody has any idea. Then it goes to the next person. And then it's, it's my turn. I feel everybody's eyes on me. Like my teacher's looking at me. The, everybody's looking at me. And I'm going to start singing. And I just realize that everybody's eyes are on me. And I am also looking at me. Because I also have no idea, as much as they don't have any idea what I'm going to sing, I also don't know what I'm going to sing. But this cosmic contradiction 
is happening, which is that I am singing. On the one hand, I don't know what I'm going to sing. And yet, look at me. I'm singing. What? What is happening? How can I both be the person who doesn't know what I'm singing and also be the person who is singing? In that moment, I have more in common with the people outside me than almost I have with me. And yet, I also have a lot in common with my, myself too. So I have, I have everything in common with my listeners and I have everything in common with the creator. So I'm co collapsing this binary of either listening or you're talking. You're creating or you're consuming. You are observer or you're creator. It's not like Facebook is a refuge for me, but maybe Netflix was and YouTube was. I'm as addicted to it as anyone has been to anything. I have an extremely compulsive relationship with distraction technologies, the internet being chief among them. Distraction technologies of, of various types have been my bread and butter. That's kind of how I survived. And what I was saying was more that like technology is not the problem there. It was my desperate need to be not just distracted, but entertained, to be understood, to be held, to find a place of pure agency and safety in my life. I had to do something for work and I was struggling and I had procrastinated so long I only had 12 hours left and I had the voice of my mom screaming in my head even though she wasn't there in the, in the room from my childhood I still have that child cowering from his parents who are scolding him about being late for something I have my dad's voice in my head I have my own voice in my head all these harsh voices and here's this pure refuge of just safety and no judgment and this Netflix never calls you a son of a I was just giving gratitude for how technology in many ways has parented me it gave me a soft place to land when nothing else did my life had issues I had issues and I still do feeling lonely or whatever getting that hit of company you know social media is the word social is Company, what are you reaching for? You're not reading for information primarily. You're reaching for company. And information feeds into that, and you're trying to connect to information. You're trying to connect with articles that people have written, but you're trying to connect primarily. It's a connection machine, and uh, it's beautiful. Whether it satisfied the needs for connection or not, in my case, it was always a place of refuge for me. Would it have been better for me to escape into alcohol or drugs or something like that or netflix and twitter and the atlantic.com and slate and youtube and watch uh, the same movie 75,000 times and and download some ridiculous friends episode I'm, I'm glad i found that instead of finding refuge in more chemically destructive ways and so, so i just wanted to give gratitude it was the sense of gratitude and profound in many ways this was the soft place to land. This was the spiritual reparenting. This was the ultimate place of safety. If you're sinking a lot of time into an app, it's a call. Huh, that's interesting. Why am I being drawn? What do I not like about my current reality? Or what is missing here that is there? People perceive you as an Indian person, so then they sort of tune out. Or I forget how you said it, but how do you feel about that? So in America, it's kind of this binary, right? You're either black or you're white. And everybody in the middle, you pick a side. That's a very superficial way of looking at it. I have an American accent now that I'm putting on for this conversation. Put on your Indian accent just for a minute. If my dad were to call me, I'll start talking like this. Um, <laughs> so I moved to, moved to the US. I was with a bunch of Indian American kids. One thing I noticed was they were all trying to either be black or be white. 
built into their personalities was this thing desperate to be one or the other cuz there's not a way to be something other than that and it hadn't quite crystallized for them i got picked on a lot for being a fob uh, fresh off the boat so back to your question of how do i feel about people writing me off or anything. like it's more that people assume that indian and asian people in general there's a meekness to them oh yeah they're probably socially a little bit awkward they're assuming that indian people and nerds different worlds there's some tropes about ah there's no thumas here i'm not going to let that stop me from making jokes or talking about it so i'm very much at peace with that so you I just kind like of acknowledge that it's something coming from them it's not a reflection of you but at the same time you just mentioned that you don't like to feel invisible. So exactly. I don't like being invisible, but if I am invisible, what can you do? Right? If you're if somebody's not looking at you and somebody's not noticing you, what can you do? I mean, it sucks. It really does suck. If somebody's paying attention to you and misunderstanding who you are, you can correct that very easily. I can correct that very easily, which is just be who you are. You know, be be assertive, be present, you know, bring your spiritedness to it. let them reconcile oh well, i think this guy is the meekest person in the universe with ah oh, this guy's very enthusiastic about everything he says ah that's their problem <laughs> usually usually mm-hmm. they'll understand oh okay okay sorry i thought you were i, I thought you were bro and then no oh, you're very sensitive uh, uh, i thought you were very meek and you're actually very assertive sure everybody gets to have their own journey with me they can discover whatever part of me they want in whatever order they want but I will bring as much of myself as I want to whatever interaction and the rest is up to them. Where can people find out more about you? Twitter my handle is at @vivekt17 that's v i v e k t 17. Also details of my podcast will be on there. You can also find me on Interlect at various other salons. I'm hoping to do one on travel as, as a tool of self-discovery. Out on YouTube, it'll be on my Twitter, my YouTube channel. It was great to chat with you Vivek. Thanks for being here. Thanks Rosado. Those were some of the highlights from my conversation with Vivek on the second episode of Strolling. If you're hungry for more, there's a 51-minute extended version exclusively for members, which goes into studying Rumi, changing yourself through personal projects, rethinking punishment, and more. Becoming a member gives you access to all past and future extended episodes while supporting the independent production of this podcast over the long term. Find more information, links, show notes and Vivek's playlist of five handpicked songs at strolling.rosano.ca that's strolling.r o s a n o.ca be welcome to leave a comment on the website or by sending an email to strolling@rosano.ca the music for this episode was inspired by two ideas from our conversation thousand lanes and everything is spiritual Hope you enjoyed that. Thanks for listening and see you next time.